Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Pastor Henny from um, Shafa Johannesburg. It's a little bit of a mentor for me, helps me think about stuff, and he is forcing me currently to, to not avoid speaking on what I've learned from Survivor. Now, it's, it's, it's weird to do it here because this is my home congregation, and so... That doesn't matter to you guys whether, I mean, I was running around on an island like a crazy person or not. I'm just, I'm just vanning here. So you guys come just to hear the word. But when other churches invite me, they, like, they want to hear a little bit of survivor-related testimonies. Does that make sense? But he's forcing me um, to also speak about it here and, and make you a part of a, of a journey now. It's, this is not about Survivor, let me just say that. Like Hanu said, there's someone way cooler than anyone that's been on Survivor here. His name is Jesus. It's, it's all about him. What I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to reflect on what we can learn from the harvest, from the gospel, when we look at something uh, like Survivor and what it's taught me. Is that Okay. But you don't have to know it to understand what I'm saying tonight. Just, just as an indication, who, who watches? Okay, there's, there's, there's a little bit. There was a time where I thought, oh, I just pray the footage gets lost. When I was second guessing. But uh, praise God, he uses us in all different ways. So just a little bit, for those of you that don't know me, my, my heart is always to push across the fences and explore the harvest, wherever. That's why when I came here, it was the rugby club. Okay, um, and trying to figure out how do you minister to people, which maybe at times it's difficult. You know, can you walk into a rugby club or uh, an office or a tennis club and really, really plant yourself there to engage with the people and bring the gospel? Is that possible? Of course it is, but how does it work and what is it to learn? And on the journey with... The rugby club, I mean, a lot of people are here because um, God just did something there. But he also wants to do something where you work and in your family where you live. Isn't that true? And so I want to reflect on a few things and uh, share it with you guys tonight. So, let's go to Colossians 4 verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Now, right there, something should blow you away. The man sits in prison and he asks for an open door for what? 
not for the prison door to open. He's all right with that. It's okay if I stay in prison. Here's the thing. Can we pray for an open door for the word to go? That, that's just incredible. I mean, we, we are all black slidden. Isn't that true? We, we're somewhere, another planet. That I may make it clear, note the words, which is how I ought to speak. I'm going to read that again. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. This is the man that wrote the book of Romans. He knows the gospel. And when he says, pray for me that the word may go well, he says, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Can you speak about the gospel in a way that no one listens? So pray for me that when I speak, I know how I need to speak of this wonderful gospel. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Those who are not here, be wise about it. Where's the intercessor team? They like preaching my whole sermon when we were praying on the grass. Netolda. Making the best use of a time. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to Answer. So, not that you know only the answer, but that you know how you ought to answer. Isn't that powerful? Now, I want to share one or two stories that I observed on the island. What you guys need to know is that what you see on 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 television is game. It is. It is. Five minutes of a day. We sit there. <laughs> I mean, we literally sit. You wake up hungry, and then you watch the sun. And then you, you, you lie like this, you know, like this, and then you like, okay, when I look up, I hope at least the sun is in the middle, and then it's still there. Um, because you're hungry and then the time goes over, and then because there's certain days where nothing happens, it's called island days. There's no challenges. You can make the math. There's 39 days. There's not a lot of challenges. It helps them with weather and different kind of stuff to have extra days. And what do we do? We live together. We have community. We're a broken community, but we are there. We're all we're all hungry, and we we are sitting there, and. Uh, we can't wait for that hand of rice at the end of the day. You know, it's incredible how paradigms can shift. And then there's like, boom, it's time to go. And then it's, uh, the cameras roll the whole time because something can happen. But, I mean, game is less than 3% of the time you're there. Okay. And what do you do? You observe. And you are taking part in this community. So, so... <laughs> When I, when I went for the interviews, they said, you cannot hide. I said, watch me. I will hide. 
that's what I'm going to do. And so when we got there, there was a man who like started to shout at the people. I said, thank you, God. I'm going to hide away in the bushes and not be visible. And, and, and so what I asked the Holy Spirit is to help me see and observe other people. First or second night, there's an argument, a, a Christian one. Now, no one knows I'm a pastor. I didn't tell them. I just wanted to be a Christian. I said, I'm a Christian man. And uh, the fight is about creation versus evolution. Why is it always the first fight? I, you know? <laughs> and then it went to marriage, same-sex marriage, and divorce. I mean, it's like the, some arguments, they just stand the test of time. You can just bargain on that. And there's something that happened in that moment. The one person was taking part in the conversation, and the person made a statement, and the other person said, but what you say really don't matter because you are not saved. That was a Christian that said that to another person. In the name of the God we serve. And it broke my heart because I saw the look on the person's face. And so when Paul is saying, pray for me that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, let it be known, we can speak in ways that can just break hearts. And we can speak the truth and we can hammer it, but it will not go in because it's not coming on a plate of love or grace. Make sense? And so what I did is I, um, I'm speaking about some lessons I learned, so bear with me when I tell stories and, and, and cut back. And so um, what I did in that, those first week, I was like doing damage control. So everyone that got injured by these kind of religious conversations, I went to them and said, hey, I, I heard um, what, what was said and it broke my heart. Um, but before you answer, I just want to say I'm also a Christian. But I don't agree with how that was, how that was said. Tears, always on the island. Because there's no one, you know, you know who you can trust, you know. And then the person said the following thing to me, which led me to this scripture really touching me. He said, Verne, I don't have an issue with Christians like you, but I hate the church. Heartbreak. Little did they know, I'm not only at church, I mean... I, <laughs> this is basically it <laughs> this is where I live but right or wrong according to that person that is how the church speaks you're unsaved <laughs> and so I've got a lot of reflection to do and ask God to help me make sense of this now I'm going to go a little bit around a corner. Um, hum, are you here? 
Vian will know these terms. I'm going to start here. I'm going to pull it back to us. So what does it mean for us in Sekunda? What does it mean for us? Can we go to the next slide? Every now and then I've got very big words up there. Then I look very smart and intelligent. And you guys think, man, you know, at least he knows something. It's going to take, fill up the whole line if you try and write that out. So it's missionary language, okay? Missionology is the study of missions, God's mission to humans, and how humans respond to God. They've got these two terms to explain how missions are generally done, the one way or the other. Now, don't let the words close your ears, because it's not that difficult the way it looks. At a certain time, Roman Catholic missionaries and early Protestant missionaries went to countries which were different. Some of them were less developed, you know. And, and so they would go and they'd say, let's take the gospel, but let's also civilize these people. Okay? That would be called extractionism. We're going to extract these people out of their culture and teach them how to be real humans. I'm obviously throwing it under the bus a little bit. But the idea was when the missionary went, he would build a little house that would look like a house in North America, and he would have an English class, and he would invite all the people, hey, do you guys want to uh, get someone to kind of understand? Let's teach you a new language, and they would teach the Bible. And a lot of people would come to Jesus through that kind of missionary work. Missionary hearts, beautiful. Unfortunately, this was not the best way to do missions because when the missionary moved away, the gospel fell to the ground. Okay? Don't leave me here. The better way of doing missions is to go to a place and live in the homes of the people that live there. Try and speak their language. Eat their food. Because when the gospel takes root in their own homes, it's easier for them to tell it to the others. And when the missionary moves, the gospel can remain. Can, can you see that? Now, wh why am I sharing this? This has this got a very important principle for us. When I was studying this, I realized... I'm very bad in this because when I go on missions to Africa and the church service gets to five hours, I want to run. And then I'm like, I really, really had enough. And then I get angry because the way they do church is different. And, and I, I get myself thinking, if only they would be more like And then they cook up their best food. It's just whether it's in Asia or Nepal or in Africa, it doesn't matter. And they would bring their food and I'll be like, if I only had my car, my card, and I could quickly go to KFC. You see, we think like that. Here's a problem. If we've got people in South Africa saying, I don't mind Christians, but I hate the church. That means an invitation to church is an invitation to another world. If you are someone that's got hatred toward church to come to church, you are asking them to take the greatest step of faith they've taken this year. 
This is very important for us. We are following America often in trends. We're always like a few years behind. At the moment, the most people in America, they don't go to church anymore. We've got a, we've got a few people left that grew up in Christian homes that still parents. They're becoming extinct. The first generation is being raised where their parents said it's okay if they don't go to church. They're hypocrites anyways. So just to say come to church, it, it's, it's not enough anymore. Check this out. You've, you've seen this many times. John 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh, speaks of Christ, and He dwelt among us. He became flesh, and He dwelled among us. Us. He who lived with the angels gave up what he had to come and identify with us here in our homes, with our food, slept with the guys, walked with them, that had everything together. Here's the thing. Our lives have become so fast-paced that the best we can do is say, come join me for church. Let me extract you. And I'm telling us now, if we lose or don't learn the ability to sit next to people that don't know Jesus, we cannot take the gospel further in times to come. Because they will no longer be extracted. We've got two invitations. Come to church, come to cell. Commitment from our side, we will keep on making church a great place. If someone wants to come, that they will experience love and peace here. But let me tell you what, where we are going, it's not enough. People hate the church. A big part of people out there. Here's why we struggle with identifying like Christ. We can't sit with them on a Saturday. We're not even here. <laughs> If we are here, we are so tired of the pace we ran in the week. There's no space for another human being in my life. Work finishes Friday. Listen, I'm knocking myself first. Just hear what I'm saying. In Sekunda, often Friday, people come home earlier. We don't have the capacity to sit with those who don't know Christ. We are naked. <laughs> Serious life changes needs to happen for us so that we can dwell with those who will not come to church long enough that they say, I want to share with you what's on my heart. Because the leap from the office to the church is getting bigger, people. Are you with me? Very important. And, and it's not that difficult, but we need to switch on a missionary mindset. There's, there's going to have to be an evening in a, cert, in a week or every other week where your dinner table needs to become open for someone who does not know Jesus. Or we cannot, we cannot have this church and hope people from other churches come here. Come on, it's not the gospel. Homes need to open so that they can see this person that goes to church 
there's something they have. And I thought the church is so bad, but maybe, maybe I'll give it a chance. Are you with me? When I heard those words, it broke my heart. Number one, may we learn to identify or dwell with unbelievers and not only extract, not only invite to an event, but to your life, to your dinner table, into their homes, their dinner table. Yeah, but that sounds like work. It's called working in the harvest field. Amen. Hard word. Sorry. It's one thing I learned. I'm going to have to learn to go out. And so what I want to say and, and, and is if you're new around church, maybe you're here for the first time, I want to say that I am sorry if, if Christians often come across arrogant. And they just swing this one invitation, come to church, and they're not willing to share their lives on, an other, on another level. I'm sorry about that. I also do it, and I repent of that. And if you grow, I pray you do better. But let's all grow. Amen? Let's all grow. So. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, because I'm going a little bit topical tonight, okay? I'm taking a few ideas, I'm not dissecting scripture. So just have a bit of grace. One of the things, at least, what Jesus is trying to say here is that when a person has a lot of means, all right, it is possible that so many things can happen in their lives, the business, the farm, the vehicles, the new home I'm buying, the holidays I'm going on, that it becomes possible to almost silence the cry of the Spirit. Are you with me? All these things make noises. So it's almost possible to be so busy that you don't hear yourself crying out for God. And so when people lose everything, the cry becomes clear. And they say, God, where was I? It's just a principle. You see that? Now, what happens is we mask in this world. We mask what is truly happening in our heart. Um, let's just read this with me. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Now, I'm just taking a few principles here. When we come to a place where there's a problem in us, we're like, oh, something happened here. Mm. There's one or two things we can do. We can draw near to God, come out with the truth, and there is healing. The other thing which the enemy will always tempt you to do is to take a mask and put it over the thing that just came up. But it's almost like it, it's bleeding. It's like a bleeding wound. So you've got a mask on, but the blood comes through. And what do you do? Another one. 
car, house. Make it up as we go. What, there's different things, and we stack it, we stack it. As long as I'm not faced, what is in the mirror if I take it off? Same is true for all of us. The temptation is there daily, isn't that true? Amen? But the same is true in the world. What I realized is, sitting on an island with nothing, physically, ladies, there's no makeup to like literally put up a mask. I mean, it's not there. As you wake up, so you are. For some of you ladies, that sounds like a horror movie, okay? There's no fine clothes, no jewelry. There is nothing. So that mask is stripped away. For a guy, your achievements, your car, your swagger, your wardrobe, nothing counts. It's not there. It's only you. And so we're sitting uh, one evening and the one person says, you know what? I'm worried about my mom. Just, just a simple thing. And, uh, and so we, we have our little rice in the hand and someone says, why don't we pray tonight? And I say, yes, we pray tonight. I'll, I'll do a prayer. And I say, <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to give me a platform. I'm not taking it the whole time. And, uh, and so I said, Lord, I just want to thank you for this food. But I want to pray for so-and-so's mom. And I ask that you will help her get a job. Amen. My son can pray that prayer. That you will help her get a job. Amen. Tears. Sobbing. Why? It's no masks. <laughs> the simplest of pure gesture breaks the heart. Another person comes to me soon after and said, Listen, I have so much anxiety. I don't know if I will make this night and I've not told anyone here. I'm like, can we pray? Yes, please. These are things that never come out. Why is it popping up now? The masks are off. And so what I've learned is we need to slow our living down enough and love and care enough to the place where people take off their masks. Here's a cool quote. It's not mine, but I will say it like it is. God cannot change the person you are pretending to be. can only deal with who you really are. But how do we get to those places where the mask comes off and ministry can really, we all know, we all know if the mask stays on, there's no openness here. What do we do? Let me just share this story before I share what I think we should do. In this town, it's practical enough. What's my time like? Church in America does a, does a study on people that divorced and got married again. 
many people divorced, got married, divorced again up to four times, okay? I'm not joking about that. That is heartbreak. No one wants to go there. And they start, they speak with these people and they open their hearts. People who admitted their part of the failure of the first marriage, people who admitted, at times had beautiful second marriages, especially when you know, one partner walked away. But the Bible says if your partner is unfaithful, you can go and you can go on. All right. I'm going to go into that too deep. But a lot of people married and remarried again. These are people who often, soon after the marriage, said, we are getting a divorce because my partner did this and this and this. And they knew when they were telling the story, they were putting more blame on their partner than what is actually true. But after the third time, they told the half-truth. They started to believe it. After the third time of throwing their partner under the bus, saying it's, it's his fault, they started to believe it. We are masters at self-deception. We put on masks and then it merged with our face. And only the Spirit can help us get it off. And when we take it off, there's healing for all of us here. But what we need to know, and this is, I'm getting to my point, is that when we go to the world out there and we say, do you know that Jesus wants to engage you, wants to save you? We are asking people to take off their mask. Can you recognize that? Here's the thing. Can, let's go to that second point. When sharing your faith, unmasking often starts with the believer. You are the one that knows Jesus. You are the one that knows it's okay to say, hey, I'm wrong. If we don't model it to the people out there, they will not remove their masks. We're going to have to minister from weakness. We are not Jesus. And I have a problem at times with people in certain movements that stands up and shout at people. And they believe the louder they shout the words of a bow bell, the more power it, it, it does not work. It's just making noise. You may psych up some believers. People out there think we're crazy. We need to minister from honest, vulnerable hearts in Cecil tomorrow, in the schools. Speak about your failures first. Tell them, you know what, I struggled with this this week. I'm trusting God for a breakthrough here. I'm happy for that breakthrough, but I've got this to walk on. Take off your mask. But when the masks drop, oh, ministry happens. We, um, I went to a small group. There's no children here. Eh? Like, <laughs> I 
Went to a small group in Cape Town. First small group I went, I'm like, like in Kaapstad. First small group. I've been a small group leader in Stellenbosch for three years. Let's go to small group. First small group man comes in and said, listen, I've got a problem. They asked me to lead the first small group because they knew I was a, a small group leader in Stellenbosch. I'm like, sure, I can do this. And I get there. A man comes through the door. He says, guys, just gather around. I've got something to share with you. I just slept with a girl that lives next to me, and I've been doing that the last week every day. Welcome to small group. I was lost for words. But what I did not notice at that moment is that this man literally pulled the mask from his face. Next moment, the one guy said, well, this is what I looked at this week on my computer. And the next one said, today, I said this and this to my father. It was a lie. Boom, we started to cry. Ministries start to happen. If we hold on to our masks, there can be no ministry without authenticity. And it is interesting and it is sad. Just, just hear what I'm saying. You just hear my heart, please. So I've got no hard feelings towards everyone that played this game with me. And we, we chat, a lot of us, we're not allowed to, but we do. We check up on one another on social media. Some of the people that were so humble and ready to receive have put all their masks back on. It breaks my heart. Because I know how close they were to turning their life around. But we can still pray to God, amen? But this masking, this is big. The reason we can take off our mask, we're almost done. The reason we can take off our mask is because the one person that you will stand before one day where it makes a, differ where it makes a difference he loves you when you take your mask off. So why keep it on before people? You can be secure. Amen. And so let me just make the same apology. If you're new around here, if you're a young believer, maybe you're visiting church, I am sorry for every Christian that has asked you to take off your mask while holding on to their own. And I mean it from my heart. And I also want to repent if you are here because I invited you and I had my mask on. It was wrong. Amen. We'll stop there tonight. That's enough. That's enough to chew on. I'm excited about hundred odd people walking out of this place thinking about this tonight praying through this and I'm excited this, this is when when I get excited is I'm getting hot now in this I don't know what they killed to make this but <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about people that works around the corner from where you sit. And, and what they will hear tomorrow 
or this week might be the same words, but it's going to feel different to them. That excites me. I want to encourage some of you guys to go and apologize to people that sit around the corner and say, listen, I've invited you to church 100 times, and if I've ever come across arrogant or entitled, I just want to say sorry. I'd like to invite you sincerely. The invitation stands. But if you rather want to come to my home and just, just come and have a meal, you're so welcome. You see where I'm going with this? Let's go, let's go, let's go. I've seen in my time out there that people that we think are never going to accept God is so close. It's a thin line. The mask drops. Amen.